This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with a Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. Hopefully everybody is having a tremendous offseason, but even though it's an offseason, doesn't mean there isn't a ton going on. We're a week away from the expansion draft, so already some moving pieces in preparation for that. Uh, it had just come down that Jeff Skinner has agreed to waive his no-movement clause from Buffalo, which means that the Sabres can expose him in the expansion draft. So we have that. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have bought out Suter and Parisi, so that's going to lead to a lot of speculation about the possibility of freeing up money for them to be in the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. I'll say this about Eichel, that he is a highly coveted player, but he has not decided to have the surgery. The surgery that he may have is experimental. There's a lot of unknown about it. Now, he's going to be fine, but the question is, when will he be fine? And there's a tremendous amount of speculation that there could be a team out there that will sign Eichel and hope to have what what happened with Tampa happen to them. And what I mean is, actually signing Eichel, knowing that he will be unavailable for this upcoming regular season, and then being available for their postseason allow them to circumvent the salary cap. Now, it could be dangerous because we'll see if the NHL revisits this, but probably not because we're in the middle of a CBA. So could there be a team that knows they're going to make the playoffs, sign Jack Eichel or or trade for Jack Eichel, put him on injury reserve, and then have him available for the postseason, which then can allow them to make moves and then add to the cap into the postseason. So But that comes with risk, and just ask the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, they won their Stanley Cup, so it's a fair deal for them, but they've got a lot of things they've got to do now in this offseason to get back under the cap now that Kucherov is healthy. They're probably going to lose Tyler Johnson in the expansion draft. Seems likely he'll go to Seattle because he's from Washington, and it frees up some salary for Tampa. So there's a lot of things that it does come with a price. So it could benefit you in the short end, but in the long term can hurt you. Now, Tampa doesn't mind because they want a cup, but if you do that and you get eliminated in the first round and now have to pay the piper on the back end, may not necessarily work out. Also, you know, what is Eichel? He's, I don't want to say he's damaged goods, but the same thing with Tarasenko coming off the shoulder surgery. These are great elite forever type players, but they're coming off of major injury. And for Tarasenko, a major surgery, and that's got to compromise your thoughts about whether you're going to bring them in. I think both will be playing with other teams this year, but it's certainly not a no-brainer to be able to go out and make those moves. So it's something to consider. Now, where's Suter going to go? Does he reunite with Weber in Montreal? Does he go to Carolina at the expense of Joey Ham- um, the Dougie Hamilton? So that's something that could happen. Carolina, if they lose Hamilton, can bring in Suter. Suter's 36 years old, but clearly has a couple of the years left. Carolina's banging on the door for a Stanley Cup. Possibility of returning to Nashville as well. So that's a possible destination. And to me, everything points to Parisi going to the Islanders, right? Reunited with Lou Lamarillo. A team that's ready to win a Stanley Cup makes sense for him as he's trying to win that elusive Stanley Cup, makes sense for him going back to Lou Lamarillo. And certainly a guy that could score goals, has postseason experience. That seems like a no-brainer on both sides of things. And Parisi obviously can work out some sort of a deal to fit under the cap with the Islanders who have some restrictions when it comes to that. So I would think that that could certainly be a destination, multiple destinations 
for Suter. So that's on the table. Also, we find out that Pecorine announced his retirement. It's kind of a shame because he did not win that elusive Stanley Cup, went to a final in 2017, elite goaltender. But you saw the writing on the wall, right? Soros had won the job away from him, and it just kind of made sense that they were going to move on, and he decides to retire. And he goes along that list of what really has been in the wheelhouse, if you think about it, of elite goaltending over the last decade or so. When you think of Henrik Lundqvist, you think of Marc-Andre Fleury, Jonathan Quick. There's been so many good goaltenders that we've seen over the last 10, 15 years. And Pecorine, I think, fits into that category. Tremendous goaltender. Yes, he benefited from having a defensive-style team in front of him. But he was spectacular to watch, a lot of fun to watch, and I'm going to miss him in the National Hockey League. We just missed it. We did the podcast on Monday, and we just missed the deal uh, between the Edmonton Oilers and the Chicago Blackhawks. So intriguing with Duncan Keith leaving Chicago to go to Edmonton. Uh, Caleb Jones goes back in return to Chicago and a pick. I like this deal from both sides of it, I, but there's, it's getting hammered in Edmonton just because of the fact that Duncan Keith is 38 years old. But and, and Chicago didn't get any salary relief back, but they weren't really working with any leverage because Keith wanted to be dealt, and he wanted to be dealt to a Western Canadian city. So Chicago really didn't have a lot to be able to work there. Duncan Keith kind of had all the leverage there, and Edmonton took advantage of it. He's 38 years old. But with reduced minutes, because he was playing like 22, 23 minutes in Chicago, if he could play 17, 18 minutes, be on like a second pairing, it's exactly what the Oilers need. A good, solid defenseman with a ton of experience, rings jingling and jangling. I think that's a perfect move. Caleb Jones goes to Chicago, and what makes this intriguing for me is with Seth Jones looking to get dealt out of Columbus, does Chicago become a destination for Seth? and reunite the the Jones boys uh, playing in Chicago. Now, what makes Seth Jones so interesting, and Dan Rosen talked about this on Twitter from NHL.com, is that how attractive is it for a team to trade for Seth Jones, especially a team like Chicago that's in a rebuild, because I think Jones is going to want to test free agency, right? He wants out of Columbus. Columbus wants to be able to make a move so they can get something so he doesn't walk in free agency because it's known he's made it public he's not going to resign there. Now, if there is a team that feels they can win now, maybe they run the risk of having Seth for a year and then losing him. But if Seth is committed to testing free agency, does that make sense for Chicago to bring in a guy you're likely not going to win or go to the playoffs this year? And then you lose them in free agency, and that's not going to be great. So I don't know if Seth would do a sign-and-trade. Maybe if he goes to Chicago, plays with his brother, has success there, it's a big market for him. This is a kid that's an elite defenseman in this league that has spent his career in Nashville and Columbus to be able to go to an original six team, play with his brother. Maybe that might be enough for the Blackhawks to make the move feeling like they will have a real shot of committing to him long-term. But it's still risky for a team that knows they're not going to win immediately in the one year left that he has in his contract. But I think that would be fun to be able to have Popeye Jones, uh, a couple of his sons playing on the same team in Chicago, an original six team. That could be a lot of fun to see. So I like the move from Edmonton. This is exactly what they've needed. We know they've got the forwards. Now they get a, a stud defenseman that's been there, done that. And I think if you can reduce his minutes, you can get a couple of more years out of him. 
And now they just need to address the goaltending in Edmonton, and then I think they could become a team that can perennially make the playoffs. So that's got to be the hope. So there, all that is on the table to discuss. So things are happening, again, a week away from the expansion draft and a couple of weeks away from the entry draft. So things are going to be happening fast and furious in a very, very short window before the regular season begins in, tw- in um, on October 12th. And, and still waiting for the schedule. This is usually around the time the schedule comes out and you kind of plan your trips. And I love it because then I kind of plan, all right, when am I filling in for Kenny? What cities am I going to be traveling to? Hopefully things will be opened up by October and we'll be traveling again, not be calling games off the monitor. But it's still up in the air because there's two schedules, as EJ Raddick said back to us on Monday. So one with the Olympics, one without the Olympics. And I'd love to be able to get your opinion on this, and maybe we'll get a little bit more of it coming up on Friday when we close out the week with another podcast and try to get to as many tweets as we can today and Friday going into the uh, expansion draft. And that is, I'm not a fan of going to the Olympics. Now, if you tell me it's in North America, if you tell me that it's going to be happening in primetime events, like we saw in Lake Placid, like we saw in Vancouver, like we saw in Salt Lake City, then I'm all for it. Because I think that these players need to be exposed to a bigger audience. If you take a look at what the Olympic audience is, what the numbers were when the Olympics were in North America, they dwarf the numbers we see in the NHL playoffs and for the Stanley Cup final. Because people love the Olympics. People love those stories. And you want to expose those players. And even though it was in Sochi, Look at the exposure TJ Oshie got with all those shootout goals against Russia, and he's getting tweeted by Barack Obama and all that. That's great stuff. But when it's in Asia and you're playing games after midnight on the East Coast, are you really getting the exposure, or are you just kind of shutting down your sport for 16 days after you've had such a Jekyll and Hyde two seasons. You didn't get to finish last year because four months the pandemic shut you down. Then this year you had a limited 56-game schedule where you played with only only in your division, and then you're going to follow it up with a third season of stopping action for over two weeks to get a lack of exposure because these games are not going to get any primetime events. They're going to be happening in the middle of the night. So I'm not a fan of it. I get why the players want to do it, especially the uh, the foreign players, because a lot of them grew up wanting to win a gold medal more than winning a Stanley Cup. And I know how important it is to uh, Alexander Ovechkin to add a gold medal to his collection of uh, accomplishments as a hockey player. And listen, here in the United States, representing the U.S., especially what happened in 1980, is important to a lot of players. But... God, I just don't know how it forwards the National Hockey League. I give credit to Gary Bettman for trying to make it work and helping the relationship with the players, but I'm sure they're rooting for it not to happen for all the reasons that I mentioned. So, you know, EJ brought up, you know, the World Cup again, maybe doing something with that. We did that in 2016. I had the pleasure of calling those games for ESPN Radio. That was a lot of fun, but it's a contrived, made-up event or kind of an extension of what we saw back in the day with the Canada Cup but it's not the Olympics there's a cachet I think to the Olympics that no other event whether it's World Cup Canada Cup whatever you want to call it is going to equal the Olympics so I I do see both sides of it but to me as an NHL fan as a fan of the sport here in North America shutting it down for a couple of weeks especially the last couple of seasons we had 
would be a tough sell. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But I want to hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, and let's get it started with Greg, who says, which players would the New York Rangers be willing to part with for a for the right trade? Wishnevich, Jones, Heedle. Uh, would they give up uh, Kravtsov or Kako? Will they look to obtain an enforcer like Reeves? Well, I'm not giving up a lot for Reeves. I know they want to get some toughness, and certainly Ryan Reeves is someone that kind of fits that bill. But when I look at the list of players that you mentioned, I think Bushnevich is intriguing. I think um, give David Quinn credit. I think Bushnevich played his best hockey under Quinn. But I do think there's limitations there to his game, and I think he probably reached his ceiling. Jones, I don't think, is going anywhere. Heedle is someone that's intriguing as well. Kraftsoff, maybe. Kako, no. So of the guys that you listed, I think Bushnevich and Heedle are the likely ones to get traded here. you got to give up young talent, too. I mean, the Rangers have an excess of young talent at forward and defense, and they all can't be up in the big club, right? They all can't play. So you do get the sense that some are going to be a part of their future, like a Keandre Miller and Fox and Jones. And then you got guys that you look at like a Heedle and say, all right, it's a good player and it's a player that we'd like to have, but boy, we can use him as an asset to try to get guys to help us win now. Because Chris Drury can say all he wants, that there is an, a, not an edict to make the playoffs. But at the same time, he also said that the rebuild's over. The rebuild being over applies to me that you're a playoff team now. And if you want to become a playoff team, then you can't necessarily babysit a lot of young players and help them grow. you got to use those assets to get players that can help you win now. So I think there's a possibility that some of the guys you mentioned could get dealt. I'd probably throw Kreider in there as well just because from a salary cap perspective, it becomes interesting because Chris Kreider, I, I like Chris, and I think if he, he could become a future captain of this team, but there's also inconsistency in his game. He's a guy that's under contract that you know could be a movable piece to a contender that could really help a, a team that needs a winger and that you could free up some salary to be aggressive if you wanted to add. Eichel is still rumored to go to the Rangers. I'm not sure how much sense that makes because do the Rangers fit into that thing that we talked about earlier in the podcast about a team you know is going to make the playoffs and then add Eichel for the postseason? That wouldn't be the Rangers this year. I don't. I, I can't guarantee that they're a playoff team, um, especially if they were to be able, making some deals along the way. So I, I think they can be a playoff team. But again, being in a division with the Capitals, with the Penguins, now you're bringing the Hurricanes into the fold, the Islanders. You know, those could be the top four teams for the playoffs right there. And now you're scrambling for a wild card. And then you look at the um, Atlantic division, you figure, all right, Tampa and Florida are definitely going to be playoff teams. Boston's definitely going to be a playoff team, right? So, you know, what? what's Toronto? What's Montreal? Ottawa is an up-and-coming team. So, you know, you're probably looking at maybe two spots, like the Rangers having a battle for a wild-card spot. You'll have that fourth team in the Atlantic and then – you know, a scramble for everybody else. So I'm not sure the playoffs are guaranteed. I think the Rangers can be a playoff team, but that division where I think you're locked up with the four and having to settle for a wild card, at least as presently constituted with your roster, um, not sure that you can make that deal. Lars says, do you think a trade for Duncan would have happened if the Ryan Suter buyout happened before the deal? Would Holland have picked Suter over Keith if it was an option? I don't know what Suter wants to do. I mean, Suter could still go to Edmonton. So 
I would say that they probably knew that Suter was going to get bought out. I, I would think Holland would be that in touch. And I still think there's a possibility that Suter could still go and play in Edmonton. So, no, I don't think the two were um, connected. Uh, Earth One Gary says, does Parisi reunite with Lou and company on Long Island? I would say that there's like a 90% chance that that would happen. I think that would make sense for both sides. Haywood says, which team will make the most moves in free agency you see, and who is the free agent you like that will be most sought after? It's a great question because there's so many... There's so many good guys, but I don't know if there's anybody that kind of pops into my head that's like that 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 is that guaranteed. I have to have that guy. You know, usually when you're um, banging on the door for July 1st, you always had um, that one guy in mind, right? That you had to get, and everybody's like scrambling. I remember July 1st used to be so much fun, just like constantly waiting with that anticipation of where all these players were going to go. I remember, you know, 10 year anniversary of what happened with Parisi and Suter, and where were those guys going to go? And then both of the, the, them getting together um, to go to Minnesota. I, I just don't know if it's at that like level, but let's let's take a look at the free agents and let's dive into the guys that can be the most um, interesting in the possible free agent market. You know, right off the top of your head, you start looking at Philip Deneau, right, as a guy that really was the main reason why Montreal was able to make that run. Now, is Montreal going to let him go? Very good possibility they can let him go. So, yes, I'm intrigued by that because he could be like the perfect piece for a team that needs that shutdown guy. We talked about Dougie Hamilton in Carolina, that he becomes a possible free agent, gets a ton of shots on goal. We know how good he can be. Taylor Hall, I think, is interesting, although I do think he'll stay in Boston. That seems like a perfect fit for him. But where does he go? Um, those are the guys that I look at. You know, Landis Gog's not going anywhere. Krejci, possibly. Philip Grubauer, possibly. Tuka Rask, I don't think, is going anywhere. Tyson Berry is a very interesting guy. Uh, Brandon Saad, interesting as well. So, uh, the Parisi, I mean, um, Paul Mary's probably gone. Zach Hyman, I think, is staying put. So, um, there's a, a bunch of intriguing guys. Nobody they're falling all over to get, but... Those are the guys that kind of like jump to mind that could be nice little fillers, nice little pieces uh, that could be brought in. Uh, Ryan says, uh, are the Wild the most interesting team going into this offseason? They've made some wild, quote-unquote, moves the past couple of weeks, and they're heavily rumored to get Eichel. Uh, Who do you think is the most interesting team going into the offseason? Well, certainly Minnesota is, because when you read the comments after they bought out Suter and Parisi, They were talking about these are moves to get to a Stanley Cup. And the tone of it wasn't, well, everybody's building towards getting to the Stanley Cup. Detroit's building towards getting a Stanley Cup. Chicago, teams that aren't close are still building to get a Stanley Cup. But the way I looked at it is they're still going to be aggressive. They're still a good team. And I think they're going to be in it for Eichel. And they probably fit that mold, right? of a team that can add Eichel doesn't play during the regular season and bang he joins your team in the postseason I think the Wild are perfect for that I think they're interesting Detroit's interesting not from the standpoint of them improving but them becoming an outlet of adding salary to free up some of the teams that are up against the salary cap so I think Detroit is going to be mentioned quite a bit I'm very intrigued what the Rangers are going to do because I think there's going to be some big trades for Chris Drury because of the excess of young talent they have and the wingers that they have to try to add 
a center. Um, what does Montreal do if they lose Deneau? Will they add Suter to that blue line because they were deficient in the back end of their blue line in the race to the Stanley Cup final? Um, so, yeah, there's a bunch of teams that I'm kind of looking at there. Um, uh, let's see... Oh, this is kind of funny. Hornus Ragnar says, you need a new promo photo stat. It's painful to look at Don with that puck in his mouth. Let me tell you the story about the puck in the mouth thing, okay? And I'm not complaining about this. Game misconduct is what it is. I don't get paid to do it. I do it because I love it. It doesn't get a lot of like promotion. I think a lot of what we're able to get done with this is the legwork that I do, that Anthony Pusick does, to kind of make it work. And so when... They needed a photo for it. When I did the photo shoot for the Michael K show, we did like a lot of wacky photos of, you know, me holding a football, like throwing a football, and Michael holding a baseball, and me bouncing a basketball off the head of Peter Rosenberg, stuff like that. And one of the goofy photos we did was me having a puck in my mouth. And I guess they didn't know what to do with it. But then when I decided to do game misconduct, they thought, well, this seems to be the perfect picture. So it wasn't like, hey, Don, let's do a picture for game misconduct that can best promote and talk about what it's what it's all about. No, it was just a photo that they had of Don with a puck in his mouth and threw it on there. I think it's cute. I think it's fun. But um, not a lot of thought went into that. And he's been tweeting for about three weeks asking for this. Oh, he has been? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, and he obviously unfortunately, was Unfortunately, it. it, it's not going to... Actually, no, unfortunately, it's not going to change. No, well, you know what? I might have changed it, but now because you just told me that, I, I think we should cement it in. It'll never change. It'll never change. I like um, it. <laughs> Fabio says, who do you think is the Rangers' biggest free agent trade target this offseason? Do you think any Eichel, Stamco, Suter, Coleman, or uh, Gaudreau are in play for Drury? I, I, listen, Gaudreau's perfect. Cole's perfect. Those are guys that you'd want to have. But really, I think the biggest concern for Chris Drury right now is trying to get Zabanajad done. I do. I don't think as a general manager you can be overly concerned about bringing guys in when you have guys that are on your roster that have been important to what you do as a team dangling out there. So not to be lame and not to kind of be nuanced with my answer, but I honestly think that right now, if I'm Chris Drury, my biggest concern is Mika Zibanejad. Tommy says, Don, assuming you get to travel next season, which arena are you looking forward to visiting more, the New Islanders arena or the Krakens? Well, I'll say this. I'm interested in seeing both. But part of visiting an arena is visiting a city. And in all the, the, I've been lucky enough in my life and in my career to be, to, I've gone to every NHL arena. And so to be able to go to those two, to add it to my collection of arenas to go to is great. But the one city I've never been to is Seattle. Uh, I was close. I, I've been to Vancouver a couple of times, calling Ranger Canuck games. Everybody knows my affinity for Portland, Oregon. So I've kind of been between but I've never been to Seattle. So I'll, I'll say the Kraken's new home just because, I, from what I understand, it's going to be absolutely gorgeous, and I've never been to Seattle. And I will definitely, even if I'm not scheduled to call a game for the next couple of years at Belmont, I will go to Belmont. I'm looking forward to that. It's actually going to be right across the street from where I worked at Sports Phone all those years back in the early 90s. So I'll be looking forward to going back to there. 
Um, but that's going to happen. But obviously the Kraken, because I've never been to Seattle. But it's cool. I've been in every NHL arena, that is including the new ones, and a few of the older ones, too. Like, I was lucky enough to go to Joe Louis Arena, call a game. I was lucky enough to go to the Igloo in Pittsburgh to call a game. You know, miss Boston Garden, Chicago Stadium, and, and Montreal Forum. But, hey, what are you going to do? But I've been to every NHL arena that's currently standing. I've called the game at every NHL arena with the exception of one. Now, I'll throw it out to Anthony. You know me. You've gotten to know me over the last couple of years. I've called. I've been to every NHL arena, and I've called a game in every NHL arena but one. Would you like to guess which one that is? Well, it's got to be a West Coast team, I would imagine. That's that's, that's using tremendous logic. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Anything's better than my, my picks from the bracket. Um. No, you've been to L.A. <sighs> and L.A. scored called the finals game in L.A. Yeah, exactly. That, that that's the that's the one. Let's see. No, you've been to Colorado. That's right. Been to Colorado was the last game that you were at. I would imagine. No, you know what? Kenny did that game, didn't he? Yeah, but I've been to Colorado. Well, you've been to yeah, Colorado. I, I've called two games at the Pepsi Center, including a game on New Year's Eve. I actually spent a New Year's Eve in Denver with Jim Nance. I could tell that story another time. That's but, a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right. I am going to guess that you haven't called a game in Dallas. No, I've called several games in Dallas. That's a great guess. I've called one game in Vegas. I was lucky enough to get to Vegas to call a game. See, that's the tricky one because I know you because I know you've been to Vegas. Yes, but of course, since they haven't been around enough, that'd be the obvious easy answer. That's why I avoided it. And, and the cool thing about Vegas is that, um, and I, and unfortunately, a name escapes me because I only met him once. But the road engineer, like the engineer that that handles the road broadcasts in Vegas, takes a picture of the of every broadcast team and then he puts it in a frame and puts it up on the wall in the broadcast booth. That's awesome. So I, I he I was there, he took the picture, but I haven't been back yet to see what it looks like. <laughs> but maybe this year coming up. Now the one NHL arena that I have never called a game in but have been in for an NHL game is Arizona. The Arizona wow. Coyotes. I've never called a game in Arizona, but I did go to a game in Arizona because I took my wife to Arizona, um, the Cactus League spring training for the San Francisco Giants, and Dave Maloney's brother Donnie was the general manager of the Coyotes at the time, and he hooked me up with tickets to a Coyotes-Blues game. So I did go to the arena. I've been in the arena, saw a game. It's the only place I haven't called a game, so I haven't been in the press box there, but... Every other place that I've been, the, the the holdovers, the ones that were like the last ones to check off the box, obviously Vegas because they were a new team. So that that came a little bit late. And um, I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones that I haven't checked off the box yet, but then finally got a chance. To, well, Winnipeg, because Winnipeg reentered the league in 2011. And then finally, I, I've, got, I've called a couple of games there. I, I love it because... I love that town. And that's what it is. It's not a city. It's a town. And you can actually go from the hotel and walk the like half mile to the arena completely underground. And the reason they do that because they don't want to die because it's one of the coldest places on earth. And the hotel's right there on that, that famous quarter, that famous corner of Portage and Maine where the press conference for Bobby Hull was when he signed with the Winnipeg Jets. And there's... um. Actually, uh, a, an urban legend that is the—it's the coldest intersection in North America, 
because of the crosswinds. I don't know if that's scientifically true, but I do like the urban legend. So Winnipeg was like one of the last ones to check off the box. But yeah, have not called a game in Arizona, but I hope to um, and check that off my box as far as calling a game, but I've been in every NHL arena. I'm looking forward to going to Seattle. The now Central that? Division Arizona Coyotes. That's right. That seems to be the first step is when Seattle comes in this year, they'll move into the Pacific Division and the Arizona Coyotes will move to the Central, which makes sense because then they'll be, you know, they'll be with Dallas and Colorado, so it's not it's not an awful move for them. I know it seems like it's more natural for them to be west, but it, it, it makes no sense for Seattle to be anything other than uh, the Pacific Division. But all that needs to get worked out. The schedule needs to get worked out. But this was fun. I wanted to be able to have a podcast to kind of touch base with you. We'll try again on Friday. Take some more uh, of your um, your tweets, and also some things may happen over the next 48 hours as well. And then we'll get, again, a little bit more of a lay of the land on how we're going to handle things here in the summer. Because, again, I'm not going to be doing this three days a week in the summer, um, but I do want to be able to do it occasionally so that we can get you caught up on the expansion draft and the entry draft. Well, maybe we'll get uh, Craig Button on for the draft. He's always been good to have. He's, he's definitely in tune with all the um, – international players and junior players and we'll talk about that coming up next week so you want to get in touch with me at don lagreca hashtag game misconduct thanks everybody for listening back with you again on friday this was the wednesday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don lagreca